and that at the CBD to express their frustration uh, at this current lockdown. And there you go. We have some protesters there trying to break through the police line. We've got mounted police also trying. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Hello, Abibis. <laughs> What's going on, Abibis? I'm Suraj Hashmi. I'm Jack Kobe. And we're the Habibi Bros. Welcome to another episode of Habibi Power Hour. Uh, good day, mate. Good day. <laughs> all right well uh we want to get into it right now jay i'm very excited to uh welcome our next guest because this is our first international guest and uh, and i i i i'm ecstatic rita get in here rita <laughs> assalamualaikum where is your burqa how dare you the taliban takes over for what for for what a month and you're you're still out here Dressing like a Western woman? What is this? Arita Panay is uh, a, a columnist, a conservative, opinionated writer, and presenter. Ooh. Now, Rita, you can find you can find Rita on Twitter at Rita Panay. Are we, are we pronouncing your last name correctly? I never correct it because most people get it wrong. It's Panahi is just Panahi. Yeah, most people Panahi. say Panahi, Panahay. I let it go. You can't get precious about this stuff. I guess I guess that's true. I mean, I mean, how many times have we have I butchered the name Branson Taylor or Bob Malik or, or Jack Johnny Kobe. Kobe? Exactly. Right. Everyone calls me Muhammad. They read my name and they're just like Muhammad. Is like, yeah, that's oh. it. That, that's who it is. Well, you found that the formula not to get deleted off Twitter after so many tries. You've you've got the formula now with that name or whatever it is because you've been bulletproof. Touchwood. Uh, um, thankfully. Few times I've thought, oh no, he's he's on the ropes here. We're going to see. <laughs> see <another laughs> you come back. Yeah, he, he can't. He can't get rid of me this easily. And and right now with this new this new persona, it, it's just going to be extremely Islamophobic if he does. It was and, the and first the, time around. And very, uh, it's asphobic too. Given oh, absolutely, hundred yeah, percent. This is the thing, though, Jay. One, your Twitter handle. So every time I want to retweet you, I'm like, the handle. <laughs> I'm putting that out there with my retweet. But sometimes I can't resist, so I press. And I reckon about 80% of the time you've just got the tweet. like So it's fierce, it's fire, and then in the last sentence you go too far. There's a line. <laughs> I, 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 I love that line between the left and, and right cheek, that line right there. It's my favorite one to go into and cross. It's it's absolutely fantastic. It's, it's <laughs> you're, you're a habitual line crosser. It, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rita, we're, we're so glad to have you on because, you know, there's a lot of news coming out of Australia. And you're currently in Melbourne, right? 
Mm-hmm. Or, yes, or is it Mel- Melbourne? Melbourne. 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 I'm sorry. We are the epicenter of the madness in Melbourne, the most locked down part of Australia. We've got a curfew at the moment. Is that crazy things are literal adults? And are it's in the middle of the day house. where you are. Say that again. It's in the middle of the day where you are. It is. It's right now. It's just after midday. Um, and uh, if if you don't have an exemption, and very few people have an exemption, uh, you cannot leave your house after 9 p.m. in Melbourne at the moment. You will be breaking curfew. Like It's like crazy. And this stuff is just accepted so readily by so many people that it's a little bit depressing, I've got to say, just how submissive so many people are and how they don't question anything, no matter how ridiculous. Like this rule we've got at the moment where <laughs> you're like, you, you can... Um, because from the weekend we're going to be allowed to have picnics outdoors, so that's very exciting. So, because Sydney allowed picnics, so Melbourne's going to allow picnics. But at these picnics, you can have a coffee, you can have a soda, but you cannot have a beer because you cannot remove your mask to have a beer, but you can remove your mask to have a coffee. Like, like again, like what possible science could be underpinning that health recommendation? But it is, and, and everyone has to follow it. There's no questioning because then you're undermining the health message. So, yeah, the, things are pretty wacky here, and I'm glad that the people around the world are noticing and finally people here are noticing just how crazy things are because for the longest time there was a very small number of us saying, wait a second, are you seeing what's happening? Are you seeing this isn't <laughs> sane, this isn't proportionate, this isn't logical or evidence-based? Um, but the tide has turned with the public opinion. It's no longer um, overwhelmingly in favour of lockdowns like it, like, it ha- like it was for a long time. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you stop, you stop yeah, beer, ahead. you stop beer over at in barbecues and picnics over in Australia. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are gonna like <laughs> take notice of that. That's that's insane to me. And you're right. There's no, and I feel like we're starting to hear some of that coming out here in the United States. It's not that extreme, but when you hear some of these rules, it's surprising how far it got in Australia. Well, and we. Th- approval from the bulk of the public for much of it. Uh, again, as I said, that that tide's turning now. But for the longest time, there was fairly uh, serious support for these strict lockdowns, these crippling lockdowns, even where there was hardly any virus. And it was this vicious circle. The fact that there wasn't much virus was must be because of the lockdowns. So the lockdowns are a good idea, so we've got to keep doing it. Never mind the collateral damage. And that damage obviously isn't just economic, it's societal, there's health damage, mental health damage. Um, And it's taken a long time for people to understand there is a cost-benefit analysis with every decision. So yes, you might have fewer COVID cases, but you've got people missing cancer screenings, you've got kids who are self-harming and suffering from suicidal ideation at, at unprecedented numbers. We've had a huge surge in children suffering mental health issues. It's called the shadow pandemic here. Um, And finally, that's 
being felt and talked about and covered. And I think part of the problem here, <coughs> excuse me, is the media has been very pro-lockdown, so mm-hmm. that scrutiny hasn't been there. I feel like I'm about to choke. Um, so that's, I think, added to the length of time it's taken for people to sort of wake up to the full cost of these restrictions. Yeah, uh, just, I mean, to obviously to not only the security agencies who are spying on this particular stream, just to let them know that cough was because Rita had a dry throat. She does not have COVID. Do not storm her office oh right now <laughs> no, she's because I know, I know you heard a cough, but just cool, you know, cool, cool it. You know, we're not plotting to spread COVID. We're just spreading Sharia. So alhamdulillah, we'll get to that. Alhamdulillah. Uh, yeah, actually, it's interesting. Everything, you know, with the protests in Melbourne uh, and in uh, in Victoria, um, and then the these sort of initiatives that the government of like New South Wales are, are partaking in. Uh, you know, the Atlantic ran a story this uh, la- these la- the beginning of September um, by Connor Friedersdorf. Uh, titled Australia Traded Away Too Much Liberty. And um, I know you've seen it because you've talked about it. Um, And we've talked about it on our show. But there was one thing that they focus on, and that is the statistics of how COVID and the rate of of death uh, amongst Mm -hmm. different countries. For one, COVID-19 has killed 194 out of every 100,000 Americans. It's killed 77 of every 100,000 Israelis and only four of every 100,000 Australians. You talk about the shadow pandemic. Do we even know the statistics on how many people have died from, say, suicide or from drug overdoses just by being locked down from these particular COVID restrictions? Well, and it's uh, the the health impacts aren't always immediately felt. One of the things, uh, for example, cancer specialists warned from day one is uh, people are missing their cancer screenings, they're missing their blood tests, and they're not getting that early diagnosis. So you're going to have a surge in cancer deaths, but that's not going to come in the next 12 months that might they'll be down the track and and that will impact people who who might be in their 40s or 50s so the years lost is going to be quite significant um and same with with heart disease we've heard similar warnings there the mental health data hasn't been so much around suicides as much as um other mental health issues uh suicidal ideation obviously being fairly significant, but also eating disorders, um, self-harm amongst younger people. Um, So that's had quite an impact. And um, it's all about, you know, the proportion of the response. Is this response proportionate? Is this Mm -hmm. makes sense? Is there's the payoff of um, reducing COVID numbers and perhaps reducing COVID deaths justify restricting people's freedoms, destroying people's livelihoods and lives sometimes. Um, And with Delta, this whole notion that Australia was celebrated as, you know, crushing COVID, well, Mm -hmm. that's all out the window because with Delta, it being more infectious, lockdowns and these harsh restrictions don't stop the spread. We've seen that right here where I am in Victoria. We went into a hard lockdown early. I mean, our 
state has been the most locked down and we've had six lockdowns now. Um, and we're in lockdown six right now, which has been extended twice. So we were told we're wow. locking down hard and early so we can have a short lockdown and crush this virus. Well, our cases have soared. We're recording 500 plus a day now. So, and we locked down with just a few cases. Uh, so it just shows that strategy of, you know, it's worth whatever price to, to crush COVID is just fanciful. It's fantasy. You can't crush a virus. You can't eliminate a virus. And the experts have told us now for over a year, this thing is going to be endemic. We're going to have to learn to live with it. Mm-hmm. And finally, people are coming around to that line of thinking in this country. I think in the States, in Europe, elsewhere, the the, the notion that this is something we're going to have to learn to live with, we're going to have to vaccinate and, and reduce our you know, our chances of uh, having a poor outcome. But at the end of the day, we're going to have to learn to live with it. And that means some people, just like they die every year during flu season, are Mm -hmm. going to sadly die from COVID. Yeah. That realisation came late in Australia, but it has come now. So even the polling shows the majority are saying, this is something we're going to have to learn to live with, not something we're going to try to eliminate. Finally. it definitely sounds like people are finally waking up to the idea that if this is endemic, meaning that it is going to be around like the flu, like, uh, you know, you name, you name your, you pick your, you know, like the common cold, um, there's no reason to be locked down any further. And Jay, I mean, we have been very pressed to talk about the this particular issue happening in Australia because... You know, we actually, and I'm I'm going to play this clip right here because uh, we had uh, Ben Shapiro on uh, not too long ago, uh, beginning of the month, as this was all right. happening, and my, and I want to get your reaction to his his response here because, um, basically, what I asked him is is the is what happened is what is happening in Australia is that sort of like the the new wave for the rest of the world is the rest of the world going to be falling? Let me go ahead and play that. What's the direction that the United States is heading? I mean, I think that it depends which jurisdiction you're in. I can tell you there's a reason I live in Florida. Right? Anything happened in Florida. In Florida, I came here to vacation with my family last year because we couldn't go to Hawaii because Hawaii was locked down. So we came out here for three weeks and bought a house. We're like, wow, people are free here. People are willing to leave each other alone. People are nice. <laughs> like, it's, it, well, it, is, it is exacerbating uh, the, the sort of movement of populations and the, and the sorting effect. Uh, where people are deciding where they want to live. And fine. I mean, if you want to live in a in a state where people are going to act like this, fine. Because here, here's the thing. I think when you look at New York City, for example, so New York right now is doing the vaccine cards um, and they're, they're presumably going to start getting rid of some of the mask mandates once they have enough people who are vaccinated and all of this. By the way, it's going to fall very unequally by race. So it'll be fun to see the equity crowd argue that one out with the pro-vaccine crowd because a huge percentage of black New Yorkers are not vaccinated. But right. put that aside. Uh, let's say that they go to the Israeli model, right? Israel tried this, right? Between about February and June, Israel said, if you're vaxxed, you get to go wherever you want and no mask. And then Israel had a pretty significant uptick in Delta that they're still experiencing today. And so everybody is masking up again. Uh, they've you know put, the, the schools are reopening, but there's a good shot that a lot of those schools are going to close pretty soon. Because in the end, the decision-making apparatus, it, what the left would like, I think, a lot of people to believe is that the course of the virus is determining the policy. 
And no, the course of the virus can impact the policy, but it is not determining the policy. Policymakers are determining the policy. And those policymakers are subject to a set of incentives. I mean, this is something Thomas Sowell writes about a lot, is that the, the idea that the decision makers, it's not, very often, it's not a question of just switching the decision makers. It's, it's a question of the entire system of incentives. The incentive structure in a blue state is that you get rewarded for locking down. You get punished for not locking down. So if you say, everybody in New York's free, go back to Broadway, enjoy your life. And you know what? If you don't want to get vaccinated, you get sick, that's your problem. New Yorkers will punish you for that. Whereas if you say to New Yorkers, listen, we are going to restrict you. We're going to restrict you beyond belief. And the people you should really be mad at are not, you shouldn't be mad at us. You should be mad at the unvaccinated. Because if those unvaccinated bastards would just get vaccinated, we'd all be back to normal. That's a really easy political push, right? You get to, number one, fulfill the paranoia of a lot of people. And number two, blame an outside factor for having installed this, this very, very strict regimen. If you go to a red state, people just have a different mindset, which is basically, you know, we've all made our choices. We're all living with those choices. And I say, as I say before, I think the great, the, the thing that the, the mindset people cannot break out of, particularly in blue state America, is the idea that the unvaccinated are a bunch of mewling idiots who have to be sort of pressured into getting vaccinated and that they, they're not willing to live with their own decisions. So, Rita, how would you describe this uh, this phenomenon? Is that happening here in Australia as well? Or like, what is the red state within Australia at the moment? We don't really have one. And that's been part of the problem. At least in the US, you had that contrast between, say, a Florida and Texas and a New York and a California. And you could see, well, actually, New York locked down hard. It locked down long. And yet it had worse outcomes than Florida, which is a much older population and has been free all year and has not imposed mask mandates and, and you know, all these um, other restrictions. So in Australia, though, New South Wales, which is our most populous state, has been the freest state. But even there, you know, they've been now in lockdown, a strict lockdown for weeks and weeks, months, I think. So they they were far freer than the, the other states, which are the Labor states, which are, the, I guess, the left wing. Um, Australia's a bit different. Our conservatives are called liberals. So it's a bit strange for Americans <laughs> to say, party, and that they think you're some raging lefty and you're like, no, 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 that's the conservatives. <laughs> right. It would make sense considering how Ben Shapiro is the biggest lib that we've ever had on the show. Right. Exactly right. As always, Habibis, to catch a full episode and conversation with Rita Panay, please sub to our channel at patreon.com forward slash Bros. Down in the link in below, lower than Damien's mom.